Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. And joining me for, um, I don't, I don't even know how, what to say, but it's, I guess it's more wholesome, animated fun. My dear friend, Commander David. Long time no see, my man. Long time no see. Wholesome, animated fun. Well, bleep, 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 bleep that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. That's exactly what I'm saying. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah, more on that. <laughs> more on that in just a few minutes. I know it's um, in the real world. It hasn't been too long since we did our um, our double feature discussion of um, the Lower Decks premiere, but um, anything semi-interesting happened in the short amount of time it's been? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it interesting. It's funny. I, you know, we, yeah, we, this is the, like the third, third recording in a, Less almost a week. a week span, yeah. effectively. No, you, you know what, what it kind of, kind of crappy, honestly. Mm. Um, I was starting to feel a little off that day that we recorded. And For the award show? No. No, no, oh, no, oh the, the double feature, the double feature. Okay. And, um, you know, basically I, I've had this issue ever since I was a kid. Um, and it doesn't happen too often. Every maybe couple years I develop an ear infection. Mm. And, uh, when I was a kid, I, I had to get the, the tubes in my ears because it was so often. So now you know, <laughs> you, you put things off, True. Uh, but you know, I, I'm basically like eating ibuprofen like they're Skittles, uh, which don't recommend. By the way, I don't recommend Skittles either. By the way, yeah, uh, I mean no, but jeez, <laughs> uh, I, I I finally went in to just like a minute clinic today, mm. and the whatever nurse practitioner whatever they have with those it's like yeah both of your ears are infected i'm sure that that's not having a very good time it's like no i'm not having a very good time man so so So, they put you like on drops and like amoxicillin or something or uh, or just just the pill whatever that yeah probably amoxicillin one of those antibiotic things so yeah it's basically just a throbbing face it's like the left side of my face is just uh not having a very good I, I and I haven't slept very well either because like periodically at night you know the, the ibuprofen wears off and I refuse to ever take anything any uh, more potent than that um, for various reasons uh, obvious reasons are that you know t- a lot of that stuff is terrible and and habit forming and so forth and then the other half is like I can usually get through it but uh, but yeah no it hasn't been a very comfortable couple days. Man, and dude. We we also have had our employee appreciation week uh, at work. So you know every year I uh, I buy my team lunch for for this. Okay. And uh, you know we've had all these activities and things going on and so forth. So it's been a a pretty busy week a, a, as well work wise. So. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I'm just ready to just like sleep and not do anything. And, you know, we've got an Ohio State game to go to this weekend. And, okay. and I've got a couple of other little projecty things I hope to 
get done, but yeah, it's it's the nonstop. Man, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. That stinks. That stinks. I I can't remember the last time I had an ear infection, but but they are they're not fun. I mean, just being sick and just not at 100 percent is never fun. But no, it knocks off your equilibrium. It really does. Like, yeah, everything. It, it's not terrible, but it's just like just kind of knocks you knocks you for a loop and then you know and then i get congested too with all that so it's like i'm having fun (laughs) i bet you are bet you are dang i'm also not a very good sick person because i i can't uh just lay down and like you know relax i'm not that Mm. person so what you're saying is i need to get like a blow dart and like tranquilize you or something in order for you to rest Probably, yeah, yeah. Man, man sick doesn't really apply uh, to to me. Okay. Man, it was funny. Last year, I I uh, I got sick, flu, whatever, you, you know, whatever yeah. the heck it is. And we, uh, I had bought tickets to a Blue Jackets game, so hockey. Um, you know, for me and my wife, and you know, she just felt so bad because like. I, I'm I'm not feeling well at all. It's like we're going to this game, <laughs> and just sitting there, she's just like, "I wish you could enjoy this." I'm having a good time. <laughs> I'm having the best time ever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I, I don't uh, I don't really stop for stuff like this. So wow. I should, but I don't. Man, well, I guess we should press on through so you can um, quote unquote rest after yeah. this <laughs> man oh man okay all right yeah i mean i can't i can't really think of anything much i mean other than just like work stuff like i mean we have i have like a research team event tomorrow uh, like the day after we're recording this and um for the research project that i'm on with my with um some folks and that'll be good just a ton of meetings it's great Good, wholesome fun, man. Wholesome fun. Good, wholesome fun. Speaking of good, wholesome fun, you want to talk Trek? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to the podcast. Um, Buckle up, get ready, because this is your red alert as we go and we talk about this season four episode, episode three of Lower Decks. In the Cradle of Vexilon. Okay, so this is the part where I would cue up um, certain video game music, by the way. And that video game music would be the Halo theme. <laughs> like, were you, like, was I the only one that was, like, humming the Halo theme song when, like, the first, like, opening pan, like, shows us like this like artificial ring planet that we're hanging out on yeah because i wasn't an xbox guy (laughs) well there you go (laughs) it works that works yeah like i I, I mean i think i've played halo a a handful of times though but no i i I get the reference it was it's an interesting uh in quotations planet (laughs) yeah like i just i don't I've been I've been thinking like ever since like I watched the episode right like leading up to like our discussion right now. There's just things that I just don't understand about the planet. Like I understand that it's artificial, 
like we're gonna like talk about like the artificial nature and like the problem of the week with said technology and the computer. But like there's it it's it's a very thin strip and like I mean like thin is like relative, I guess, but like looking at it, it's very thin. And yet you have inhabitants on this thin artificial planet. How does that work? Well, yeah, not not just that, but like atmosphere exactly gravitational pull you know that that sort of stuff because like you know our our planet has a core and it, it you know it, it's effectively built outward this is just a strip in space around a, a star the other thing i was thinking about just like the episode um relics with the dyson sphere right how do you ever have nighttime or do you, you know, the, the, it's spinning, but it's just spinning around the star. So it's not like there's anything to make it dark. So I was just curious about that as well. Just like the relative physics of the entire thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure this is a theory somewhere though. Oh, no right? doubt. No doubt. But yeah, it. I mean, like regardless of like, what the the mileage is for us, you know, weird Americans and stuff, or kilometers across, it's just it's just odd, because that's a finite amount of space that you can have X number of things and X number of people on, distributed across, like that entire what circumference. Yeah. See, Eric, are you proud of me? I'm using math terms right now. Look at that. You're not. We miss you, Eric, by the way. Eric's not able to join us this evening um, as we talk about this episode, but um, we miss you, bud. So, yeah, let's let's talk about this some more. So we start out with a captain's log, uh, Captain Freeman, uh, basically saying that the Cerritos is visiting this uh, Federation world, Corazonia. It's an artificial megastructure in a bespoke star system designed by long-extinct alien species. So the Halo folks, right? The Halo aliens are the same. Um, Rings men home to the Corazonians who enjoy all the perfect things. Climate, surface conditions, thanks to this almighty environmental computer called Vexalon. Which is totally not evil. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Fortunately, of course, uh, Vexalon is a benevolent ally with no interest in world domination. Um... The Corazonians share a deep bond with their character. So, we're, we're we're visiting this like ring planet, right? And like this thing is like stupid old. So like when they say like long extinct alien species, like my first thought is like Iconians. For one, yeah. Because I mean, just like how ancient they are, and like how much we've been hearing more I think I think more about the Iconians in like recent iterations of Star Trek over the like last what five six years I think right so that's where I go I think Iconians but I mean it's not stated you know if it's them or not I mean we don't know like Iconians could have spread out so much they developed and did a lot of crazy things. I mean, they could be like, you know, the ancients, like in Stargate, for instance, like where they go around and just start creating things to, you know, inhabit different sectors of space in the galaxy. Yeah. 
<sighs> All right. So in this episode, we have um, our, our two storylines um, with this. So like storyline A is basically Freeman and Ransom dealing with, you know, the ring. And the other one is basically Boimler, who now has his first command, his first away mission as a lieutenant. JG. And, and then there's a, a C story kind of with Tendi. Is it, yeah, Tendi, Rutherford, and um, Mariner with some isolinear chips. Right. So, yeah, a lot, some shenanigans. A lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in this episode. Um, so, right off the bat, like we go down to go, you know, check out this Vexalon thing in this like random cave where the computer is is housed and something's amiss right so do we call billups down to check it out no no we have good old carol decide to take a a crack at it she's got a degree yeah in ancient technology yeah yeah and then after after piddling for a little bit then she eventually calls Billups down, and uh, yeah, th- this is like it's totally a uh, a modern problem in a future setting. You know, I was just waiting for. Uh, have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? Have you tried a soft or hard reboot? Like, how hard was your reboot? <laughs> It's like, is this running on Windows 96? <laughs> Can you imagine that, dude? Yeah. The computer needed an update because it hasn't been updated in six million years. No big deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the world's been kind of glitching and stuff. And yeah, let's just go hit some buttons, right? Um, and then some shenanigans are going to happen. And uh, before all the shenanigans and things kind of dovetail with each other, Boimler and um, we have uh, Talin, and we also have these three other ensigns that are on another part of this ring planet that need to basically uh, swap out some like canisters that provide some like power source, some energy, some something. Um, to um, a mechanism that's vital to the planet, but it's it's also very dangerous uh, for this sort of thing to um, to take place. And of course, mortality rates are very high with uh, Lieutenant Junior grades that are in command. So you know, that's great. Um, and this is where Boimler has to learn to delegate, and he's like kind of freaking out. Uh, and we kind of learned about why he's freaking out a little bit later on, in part because he was an ensign just recently, and now all of a sudden he's a lieutenant, and he's expected to give people orders, and he's kind of feeling weird about that. Um, I mean, I, I, tr- I think I think that that's natural, though. You know, with, with anybody promoted up through, you know, the ranks or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, one day you're all on the same page and the next day you're you know you're in charge that's a that's a a learning curve that um 
not everybody is is ready for. So, yeah, he's he's trying to do the entire, you know, refit himself. He's doing it somehow, but yeah, he's he's doing. I mean, like, I think like his heart's in the right place, you know, with trying to model and demonstrate like how the first one is done. But then he kind of just does what Boimler does and just like stays in his head, right? And like lets his stuff get in the way of being an effective officer, essentially. Right. And that and that comes to a head like later on. But it's it's in all this, right? Like that in that reboot that clouds literally start falling. Like they become pixelated and just start crashing to the ground. And there's like, you know, it goes back to like this, um, was it like a, a, a neogenesis kind of like state where it's like resetting the whole thing and going to like a primordial, you know, type of thing. Volcanoes and right. you know, fire brimstone and death and all that nonsense happening. Yeah, I mean, I there was a part there where they're like trying to put the computer in safe mode, and then it basically went to a full reboot to the beginning. So yeah, it's starting its genesis over again. I don't really get the cloud thing though. Like the clouds are dropping out of the sky and literally cracking like crystal. But how would they float? Are you telling me you don't have re- like normal clouds or? Is this the Matrix? Well, sure. Basically. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You start going primordial volcanoes, all that good sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and Freeman, Billups, Ransom, and all the, um, you know, Corazonians are, you know, having a field day, like, freaking out. And um, the computer, you know, Vexelon is starting to go a little megalomaniacal um, just to, just for a little bit um, until we basically are able to kind of hit the button to make it stop yeah I mean well there's a there's a part in here where they're wanting so through this reset in order to stop the I don't know what you would call this the doom um they need to dump the power back into the existing cells that were in there. And, um, yeah, hard, hard reset. You know, I, I've disconnected from my virtual instance and I'm now hitting the power button and now we need to push the power button again. So, and this is the point where Boimler actually, uh, begins to delegate work because he has to. <laughs> right. And he starts giving orders and like they jump and, do it and they do it well and um, I, I one thing I really like is how um, Tillin like really supports him in this transition like even though she's like a, pr- a provisional rank right now like um, like he's like trying to make this hard call like hey get out and uh, the one um, ensign's like but 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 you heard him he gave you an order get out and he goes and he does the thing and I mean he basically gets turned to ash pretty much um, and is like shot out like a rocket outside this like little warehouse thing but yeah. there you go well, well then sort of as he's going 
a little bit nutty here and we're we're ordered to put the whatever the tubes of death back right it was really Talin who kind of stops him and is like you have to tell them what to do like you have to like delegate here you can't do the whole thing yourself which I did kind of find a little weird trying to figure out what she was doing <laughs> throughout all this it's kind of sitting back a little bit mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah no no she seemed to have a lot more advice to give uh, Boimler, and sometimes he needs somebody to sort of tell him. Because there was even a part where, didn't she say something about reading his file, and it's like, you do exemplary work and all this. You read file? They really said that? So. Yeah. Yes, then he gets exploded. Because why not, right? Yeah. No big deal. Then he sees a koala. I still don't understand the koala thing. I know that's been a thing since like season one or whatever. I, I still don't fully understand it. Yeah, it's a. It, I think it's like a, just a weird meta joke. You know, I, I mean. But in reality, if we look at the the live action stuff, yeah, people died. It's not like anybody had really unbelievable reincarnations. So to be fair, I don't really understand 100% why this is such a joke. You know, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was the whole thing with Shax. He's like, Shax died. And then he's like, how are you still here? It's like, we don't talk about that. Right, right. Well, all ends up being well with um, the Corazonians, like after um, both the the energy tubes of death are, you know, pulled, uh, replaced and like re-synced or whatever. And like the buttons are, the shutdown sequence is pressed to get Vexalon back to normal. You know, and everything is gets back to being right with the world, quite literally. Yeah. Um, but the thing that um, is going on with the Cerritos um, is just kind of grunt work, right? So we have um, we have Mariner, Rutherford, and Tendi that are still on the Cerritos, kind of doing their thing, like wondering like what you know Boimler's first away mission um, in command is like. And uh, along the way, they're kind of like just wandering and talking about, you know, what it's like to be a, a JG now, right? And uh, just they're like, it still feels like we're kind of ensigns. And I think it's Tendi that's like, but can an ensign have access to this? And it's this old arc, it's this archive room with like these random tchotchkes from like a variety of missions and stuff. It's like, don't touch this, don't touch that. There's a random you know, um, was a, a ferret just like roaming around, which we know, found out was Lancelot, which is uh, Billups's uh, pet. And uh, while we're doing that, like there's this other guy, this full lieutenant, I believe, who's needing help with some like a, a random isolinear chip that burnt out that he can't find. And he's, yeah. he, I swear, like I was, I'm like, the holidays are going to be here very, very soon. Um, like with with Christmas and stuff, 
even even Halloween, like with like putting out lights for that too. And I'm like, I felt like I was twitching a little bit with that. You know, like we have to find the one chip, just the one thing that's not making everything else not work. Yeah. <sighs> too soon, guys. Too soon. Too soon. Well, they had also explained something about what what was it like one of their sensor systems was down. Mm-hmm. So that's why they had to do this manually. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of chips. Indeed. Indeed. I don't think Data could have put all those chips back in in time. I don't... I mean... Yeah. Data would have invented another like device to be able to find it like that. Yeah, you or would have Wesley. thought. He's like, oh, there's another wall behind this one? Cool, no big deal. But yeah, like, it was... It was a little much. Like, this guy was just being kind of annoying and... Uh, and I mean, I I'm, I probably would have done the same thing at, at a certain point where it would just been like, forget it, guys, let's get out of here. Uh, where they just like leave and like, no, nah, we're not gonna do it. We'll tell them that we did, but like, let's let's just get out of here, type of thing. And, no, they uh, did kind of do that because they think it's a prank. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah, oh, we're being pranked. How would you have dealt with that on a Ryan ship? Uh, blindfold uh, sword fight. <laughs> okay, that's helpful. And uh, what is it? Along the way, we decide we're gonna like try and spring a trap on this guy, right? Yeah, they have. What are those called? Uh, like those Beta Z, like no boxes well, or something. Yeah, there's that, but the uh, the 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 elaborate trap things. Oh yeah, um, yeah, the Alamorane. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I I can't remember what that is exactly called but yeah so they're they're going to uh effectively trap him in this uh puzzle thing this chula puzzle thing mm-hmm. um and while they're sort of leading wadi, wadi chula wadi chula is what it's called there we go. yeah and uh you know while they're sort of leading him to this trap, it's like, oh, I once got trapped in one of those for a month as a child. I was not, I wasn't smart enough to get out of it. Because <laughs> apparently it doesn't let you out until you finish the game. So, yeah. So they have a change of heart. Then we, we talk about jazz. A lot Rutherford of jazz. Trapped in the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And Tendi goes ham and scans the chips. So, yeah. And she finally finds it. And then she just snaps it, right? Like, she just, like, breaks that, like, one broken chip and then, like, puts in, like, a different one. And boom, we're good to go. And Rutherford, like, knows how to do all the things with the Wadi Chula game. Yeah. And Mariner's just, like, losing her collective mind. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Oh man. And um, it, it, and that's what basically it. Like they're at the bar and having a good time talking about things. And you hear Ransom and what's his face saying, "I love new ends, new uh, new lieutenants. They just give me life." 
Yeah. So they were they were being hazed. They were the totally end. being hazed. Yeah. And then they sicked the ferret on Rutherford, and that's it. There was no um, um, what was that sinister ship blowing up another ship uh, this week? Mm-hmm. You know. Like, we had, like, an episode one and two, like, that random ship just blowing up, like, the Klingons. And oh, the next oh yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Romulans, yeah, we didn't yeah. Have that. yeah, which is interesting. That's interesting. We didn't really have any sort of continuation of that, did we? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. It's weird. It's weird. Just sort of let it cook. How many episodes of this do we have? Ten. This is episode three. Huh. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just going by math here. I mean, we're now a third of the way through the season. And, um, I just, I, I mean, I, I, I think Lower Decks doesn't do this. I, I mean, I might be remembering wrong, but they seem to do a pretty decent job of like the stories, you know, that they're telling that they don't like info dump at the very end like other shows do. Yeah. That we've seen and discussed. So I mean I'm I'm hopeful that it'll be fine. You know, like they do they do a good job, even if like the humor doesn't always land for us. Like they do a a pretty decent job with their storytelling. So Yeah. Um, I'd say so. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it. They, they get a little crude. The uh, Beta Z greetings box was a little nutty. Mm-hmm. But just a, just a skosh, but it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I think that's basically it. I mean, I don't know if we, how much more we really need to talk about. No, it, yeah, it was it was fairly cut and dry. Yeah, I would say. Well, um, I guess let's move right into it. Let's talk about um, Deltas. We can collectively do this together. Um, I think Command was um, a work in progress um, where it wasn't so much like Freeman or Ransom, you know, that was like really doing it. But I I like that we're kind of doing something with Boimler where he's having to kind of learn the hard way how to be a leader um, when he was just... I mean, he's still a subordinate, right? But, like, now he has some leadership that he has to give to Ensigns now. So I thought that was pretty good and that he had some support from, like, a fellow Lieutenant JG, even if they were provisional. Um, so I thought that was it was pretty decent with that. I'd, yeah, I'd be okay I mean, with it. I, I agree, though. I, I think... I think Talin showed a good kind of grasp of the situation, which which was nice, and she kind of helped coach uh, Boimler past his kind of block here. Um, another thing I was... It's a little bit more subtle. It's not necessarily like full-on command, but... Have you, have you, I don't know if you've seen it this way, but it seems like Tendi is taking a lot more control over the group. Because, like, in prior iterations, it was all Mariner. But this episode really wasn't a Mariner thing. 
it was more of a tendy thing. And her ideas are kind of coming up a little bit more than everyone else's ideas are. You know, they, they, they're sort of yeah. relegating Rutherford to the goofy guy role. But it, it kind of seems like Tendy's taking a little bit more of a, a front and center, which was, uh, well, uh, in our uh, awards, I think one of the underused characters we had on there was, was Tendy, right? That's right, yeah. So... You know, it seems like they're trying to bring her out a little bit more while they are sort of bringing Boimler to his own thing, Mm -hmm. you know, almost Mm -hmm. separate in a way. So while not inherently commanding necessarily, I think that there's a, a power shift there going on. I could see that. Yeah. I do think they are using, um, Tendy more. I mean, just in these first three episodes, I think they're doing a lot more with her. I mean, Rutherford, I would like to see a little more from him, but I don't know if that's just too much of, like, wishful thinking at this point. I think it probably is. Probably is just a bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, what about- but, hey, operations. We had this whole chip thing. That's an operational thing operations of the ship yeah you know we had to go literally chip by chip yeah to find it scan it replace it so that's a thing and and i mean honestly you could call the entire episode operational because even with our mm-hmm. planetary computer thing we're just trying to reboot the darn thing give it an update so all that's pretty operational to me <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean yeah it was one big giant engineering episode right yeah. i mean we brought billups in for the planet and we brought tendy in for the isolinear chips so there you go yeah oh and one other quick just backtrack person who did not get a command delta though was our captain because once again she's trying to do something when she should be delegating it to somebody who knows what they're doing and I think that's been a common theme with that character. Mm-hmm. I know it's a comedic trope that they're trying to do, but like captains should be captaining. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's part of your job is you surround yourself with like experts, right? Yeah. So that they can contribute to things or do the thing for you. Right. I mean, it's, it's okay. I mean, like you're going to have your specialty, you're going to have the thing that you're particularly good at, but like just because you took a course in ancient technology doesn't necessarily mean you should be messing around with a million year old computer that keeps an entire civilization alive without specifically knowing exactly what you're doing. Exactly. So that's my thought. What about science? I, you could say medical science. We bought, brought Boimler back from the mountain the koala <laughs> so give him 30 more cc's of whatever that was that worked <laughs> it was a throwaway line but yeah i mean yeah but no no i mean it was it was very shaky i mean you just effectively apparently the doctor's just like throwing stuff against the walls mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know too much about science even though was it Talin that said everything is science? 
Hello to Lynn. Alright, well, I guess let's roll into the rating then. So, scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a dumpster fire and 10 being absolutely amazing. What do you think? <sighs> so, th- this is one of the episodes that I feel was really short. Like, they all, they're all short. But this felt really, really short to me. Um, I don't... I'm not saying that that's uh, bad. I just... I think it felt short. Um, I, I, I do think that the sort of power shift in our group here is is interesting to see what they're doing, gonna do with it. Um, you know, I... I like the interaction with Talin and uh, and Boimler. I do kind of wish that Boimler would get some of his own confidence. Not like bold Boimler, but just, you know, just being like normal. But you can't have that because we're all goofy animated characters. So in, in a real setting, I, I kind of wish he would just be like just find the confidence like there's usually an episode where you find the confidence and then you just are you your own person that's usually how it's done i think a lot could be said in that regard for like jordy because jordy had some very awkward episodes that's true um, and then he he gains his confidence he knows who he is later on and then he he he, he's you know great engineer we're not necessarily going to get that with boimler but like it's it's good to see him learning um you know our captain i know eric was never much of a fan and it it, this it actually annoyed me a little bit here uh just like get your engineer like let's do things right because you you don't want california class crews to be classified as jokes but yet then you do this Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of a mixed bag of nuts so Realistically, I, I can't give this such a super high grade because in, in all honesty, it is a victim of a comedic cartoon. You have to have the fools in order to make people laugh, or at least that's the what I feel is the motivation. You have to have the fools. Um and that detracts a lot from what you could do with some of these characters because eventually they'll all have to go back to slapstick yeah it just is what it is not a big deal uh but it doesn't rate super high and you know it was fairly straightforward there wasn't much to think about it's like a pleasant thing to throw in the background but i i gotta say it again i you know look i've watched my fair of foul mouth everything (laughs) but it does feel strange to constantly have more and more and more of these very blatant bleeped f-bombs and all this stuff okay it feels weird in star trek um yeah i'm sure some people find that funny i guess it it feels off and we're doing it more like way more so you know, it's not something that you can share with a younger audience without having to explain that. 
in, in a in a meaningful way. So I think that again, that's another thing that kind of detracts from it. But it wasn't a terrible episode. It was fine. It was reasonably fun. It's just a little bit campy, but it's always been that way. So I think I'm going to say, you know what? Let me real quick. Yeah, yeah, geez. Yeah, I did give it a six eight last week, didn't I? Um, I feel like this might have hit me a little bit better within that episode. I think I'm just going to give it a seven and be happy with that. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So, where do I start? Um, it was. I was initially doing like a little bit of a an eye roll, if I'm being honest, whenever I see um, the halo ring, you know, it's part of like the opening shot. And then I hear that there's this like benevolent supercomputer down on the surface somewhere, you know, that it's running the show. And uh, I'm like, okay, great. Another evil computer episode. Here we go. Type of thing. Um, and then just seeing, you know, Captain Freeman being Captain Freeman. I mean, at least she's consistent. I mean, there we go. Um, but the thing that was endearing to me was seeing Boimler, even though he was freaking out, um, like that he eventually did come into his own for the most part as a leader on the mission. So that was, that was a redeeming quality for me. Um, and just, just the fact that we got to revisit a part of like one of the best Deep Space Nine episodes ever, right? Um, with like Alan Moraine and in that like little creepy game and hopscotch and everything was just phenomenal. Um, I wa- when I was watching it, I was like, man, this did go by pretty darn quick. Like, I was just surprised, like, even though there were, like, you know, two and a half, three kind of storylines going on, it it felt very to the point. It felt very tight, which that's not something I would say about a lot of Lower Decks episodes that we've watched. Really, a lot of Star Trek that we've watched in recent years. So, I do want to give praise where, where it's due, in, in the sense that this was a tight episode and I thought they did a good job with it, period. Um, didn't mind it. Um, it's, it's an okay episode. Um, at the same time, I think I like this a little bit more than the, um, the episode two that we just watched, like the Moopsie episode, um, just by a, a little bit. I mean, this isn't like ground groundbreaking Star Trek or in any way. I mean, a lot of this is like rehashed story stuff that we've done and um, over a variety of series if you've been watching Star Trek for a while. But I'm trying to check that at the door. I think for a Lower Decks episode, just for what it is, this is slightly better than than the Moopsie episode, I Have No Bones Yet I Must Flee. Uh, but I don't think it's as good as Tuvix, so I'm still like in that seven-ish kind of camp. Like it's not gonna dip into a six for me. I am hopeful that there's going to be like 
um, more like through line connectedness and stuff and, and keeping it tight. Like I feel like we we keep improving in, in ways like with the writing from season to season, like from where we were with season one to where we are with season four is night and day. And I can definitely appreciate these episodes so much more just these first three than season, any of season one really of, of Lower Decks and, and barring the Titan returning that was pretty dope by the way um, enough pontificating I think where I want to land with this um, knowing that some of these might change of course whenever we do like an eventual retrospective but um, I think I'm going to kind of hang out like at a 7172 for me. Um, so, I mean, generally the same ballpark as you, dude. So, yeah, I'll just think go that's do a 72. So, that gives us uh, an average rating of a 71 on this episode. Um, I just want to see like what the, uh, the people of the Seven online. Six. So, uh, Cradle of Vexalon on IMDb at the time of this recording. Um, 7.6, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, not too far off. I mean, it's it's an average-ish episode, but we're also early on. I mean, we, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, that's it, man. Any, um, any final thoughts for you or final whatevers for you? No, not really. I think I think that's that's it. Okay. Cool, man. Well, um, thanks for being a champ, like with your your uh, earache and stuff. I, that's that's no bueno, dude. Nah. So, I hope it clears up very quickly. Yeah. Well, same. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> all right. Well, David, thank you um, again for that, and uh, for all you out there in uh, Listenerland. You know, what do you think of the episode? Uh, did you rate it about the same, uh, higher, lower? Who knows? Uh, let us know. TRTVPod at gmail.com. Of course, you can uh, send us a voice only to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit, so um, be quick about it. Otherwise, we'll sick a moopsie on you to do stuff. Um, other than that, if you want to mail us something like a box of isolinear chips, that's great. I'd love to see that. Uh, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we're going to hold the government.